in the right place. <laughs> I don't think so. You don't think so? I think so. Oh, okay, there you go. <laughs> no, I know so. <laughs> Talking about Saul today a little bit. He was transformed into Paul. Everybody always thinks God changed his name, right? Couldn't find that anywhere in the scripture. I think he had both of those names before. <coughs> the, the Bible dictionary says about Saul is he was one of the earliest and most influential interpreters of Christ's message and teaching, an early Christian missionary, <coughs> correspondent with several early Christian churches. He was born in Tarsus. A Roman citizen. He was. He also had Jewish heritage. He was named after King Saul. He was a descendant of King Saul. His, his tribe was a descendant, a descendant of King Saul. It was thought that he might have been named after King Saul. Um, so he had that Saul or that uh, name Saul, and he also had the name Paul was part of his his uh, Roman heritage. So he had both of his born, much like me. Most, most, a lot of you know me as Gene when I was younger when before and then I told Brenda my name was Forrest and she spread that to everybody. God transformed my life and now I, most people call me Forrest now. Happened the same way to me, kind of, but God didn't change my name or his name, I don't believe. But it happened through the change, the actual change that was made in his life. That's funny, Bob. <laughs> uh, Saul came up under a, a priest, a rabbi, whose name was Gamaliel or Gamaliel. Uh, he was one of the most sought-after uh, rabbis of the day. He, he was a wise man. He was one of the top dogs of that day. He had a lot of power, a lot of clout. He took this young Saul under his wing. His parents wanted him to have the best Jewish orthodoxy uh, education that he could have. Anyone know what orthodoxy means? It was the, it was the most commonly accepted one. It, it, was the, it was the one that everyone accepted as, as the truth. Good to have you, Sam. I just saw you. Snuck in on me. Um, however, under this old laws, the laws they had in the Old Testament, like Jesus didn't come to do away with those laws, but he came to fulfill them. And he came to bring us a new covenant, a new testament. Testament in the Greek, or it means the same thing as, as a covenant, or as a, as a contract, say. So in the Old Testament, when they would go in, they'd have to sacrifice an animal or whatever they did, they would only get a pardon until the next year. Right? It never was truly completely forgiven. Jesus came in and he was the final sacrifice. Yeah. So we didn't have to sacrifice animals anymore. I'm, I'm bringing the old and the new together for you. You getting that yet? We didn't have to go and, test and sacrifice animals anymore. We come to God. We come, come to Jesus. Amen. He says he's an intercessor prayer to God for us constantly. He says at the right hand of the Father. So when I ask him for forgiveness, when I believe in him, I believe that I'm a sinner. We're going to get that a little later. But when I believe these things, and certain things I have to believe, and I ask him for forgiveness, he goes to the Father and intercesses a prayer for me. Come on now. Yeah. And he goes there for me. He's my lawyer, so to say. Amen. And he gets me off the hook, forgiven, completely forgiven. No longer pardoned for a time, for a period, till I have to come and do another another uh, sacrifice. sacrifice again. But I'm, I'm completely forgiven. The Bible says he takes those sins and casts them as far as the east is from the west at that point. Yeah. I don't know why I got on that trail. That wasn't even part of my notes. But anyhow, <laughs> here we go. So Paul was part of the old school, right? Yeah. Right. And the disciples that walked with Jesus, they were part of the new school. Right. This makes sense so far. Stephen, or yes. Stephen, some people might call him, he was someone who heard from the disciples. He heard the message of God. He was, he, he was saved, and he was baptized. He was forgiven. His sins were wiped away. And he was baptized with the Holy Spirit. 
He spoke in other, in, in other tongues. And that gave him a boldness. Then he went out preaching. He, preached, he started preaching to forgive. That, that they had to come to, to God through Christ. Not through the old priest, but they had to come through Christ. That's what Stephen started preaching. A man stood up, and he challenged Stephen on this. But he couldn't, he couldn't come up with anything that Stephen didn't have the answer for. Because Stephen was speaking out the Spirit. And he couldn't look the Spirit straight in the face. He, he couldn't contend with the Spirit. So they went and they found false witnesses. To come and say, well, this man, Stephen, while he was still preaching, they went around and got false witnesses and said, uh, Stephen has spoke bad things about Moses. He's speaking bad things about the God that we serve, our ancestors. He's speaking bad things that Stephen never said these things. He was speaking from the Holy Spirit living inside of him at this time. Uh, also, Paul couldn't have had the Holy Spirit living inside of him until he came through Christ. Uh, this happens a little bit later. I'm just laying the groundwork so you understand where I'm going with this today. And we're going to the scripture. So uh, they, they had these false witnesses come against Stephen or Stephen, and, and they said all these things about him, and then the people, they turned on him and they stoned him. They chased him out of the city and they stoned him and they killed him. And one of the last things Stephen said was, forgive them, Father, they don't know what they do. Kind of the same thing that, that Christ said. It was the same thing that Christ said. Paul, when that happened, Paul was a young man at this time. He was standing there and he, he was condoning this thing. He related to the people that were doing it because he felt the same way. He felt that his beliefs were being threatened, right? Yeah. They, they, the Bible says that they threw their feet, they put their feet or their coats at Paul's feet. And I, I, I studied into this and I studied into it. I just kept thinking, does Paul have some kind of power at this time already as a young man? Why are they putting his, their coats at his feet? And I read one commentary that said they did it so that they could throw better. It's like if you're going to get in a fight, you'd take your coat off. A lot of people would. Take your coat off so your arms are more free. You can move around a little better. So they really sling these stones at him. That's what they did that for. What that commentary said anyway. So Paul came against the Christians. In uh, Acts 1, 9, or 9, 1, I'm sorry. says, meanwhile, this is talking about Saul here still. Meanwhile, still spewing out death threats against the Lord's disciples, Saul went to the high priest. He asked him for letters to take with him to the synagogues in Damascus so that if, if he found... Any men or women belonging to the way, he might bring them in chains to Jerusalem. Now, the King James right there for way, anybody reading the King James today, I, I just found this out of the ISV. It says the way, they were talking about a roadway, a highway. They read into that, a highway. This here just says the way, it's spelt with a capital W. That leads me to believe they're talking about Jesus. Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. So anyone that belongs to Jesus, that's who Paul was looking for. Yeah. That makes sense? I, I never got that until this time. As Saul traveled along and was approaching Damascus, a light from heaven suddenly flashed around him. Now picture this. We're talking about, what, 40 A.D.? They didn't have floodlights. No. They didn't have helicopters. They didn't even have batteries. They might have had a torch for a light or something to this effect. Imagine what they're thinking when they see this. A big bright light comes down. I can imagine, to me, I picture it as one of those lights they shine up in the air at the airport or something, maybe, or a car lot that shines around the quadrant. I mean, if it's the light that Jesus put on, it's a bright one. And it, it flooded around him like this. And he says, And he dropped to the ground and heard a voice saying to him, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? What do you think these people were thinking about this time? They'd never seen a bright light like this before. He asked, Who are you, Lord? The voice said, I am Jesus, whom you are persecuting. Now, when he asked, who are you, Lord? Lord means it's a, world, it's a word he already was looking up to. He was already giving him respect. 
I am Jesus who you are persecuting. Now get up, go into the city, and you will be told what you are to do. See, he tells him to get up and go in the city. He didn't tell him his whole plan right then, did he? No. He says, get up and go there, and I'll tell you what you're supposed to do. Much like us. A lot of time, God calls us out into something. Do we listen? Do we get up and go to the city and wait for God's further instructions? Or do we say, well, I don't know if that was really God. I'm not sure that was really God or not. Even though I might feel the Holy Ghost all over me. Some of you might have been a little weirded out last week when a few people were baptized in the Holy Spirit too. i got to go here, here today real quick. You might have been a little bit weirded out by that. It was a little bit awkward for you, a little bit odd. That, that, that feeling you feel on you every time you come in the church, I feel when I come in this church, that tingling feeling you feel you might feel, or feel like your hair is raising up. That's the Holy Ghost on you right there. Amen. Yeah. So when you come up and you get baptized, it doesn't have to be here. I got baptized in my bedroom sitting on the bed. It can be anywhere you're at. When you get baptized in the Spirit and you do speak in that heavenly language, Amen. that is nothing more than what you're getting here. It's, it might be more intense and there might be more of it. It's more concentrated, say, but it's the same thing. So it's nothing to be afraid of. I heard some people say that it was kind of freaky for them or whatever. It's nothing to be afraid of. It's the same thing you feel in your seat every week. Uh, so he tells them, go to the city, and there I'll tell you what to do. Are we doing this today, church? Are we doing what God calls us to do? Are we doing what God's telling us to do? Sometimes we look for excuses. We look, well, I can't do that because this or that or whatever. We're going to see what happens with that. Meanwhile, the men who were traveling with Saul were standing speechless, for they heard the voice but didn't see anyone. I think they didn't see the light. Because in the, when you look at this in the King James and you go to the concordance with it, it says they see nothing. So this light was from Jesus, the way, the truth, and the light. Saul was the only one that saw it. They didn't see it. They didn't see this light. They didn't see anything. And then you never hear anything more about these men being saved or baptized, do you? That's it. That's the end of them. They help him to town, and that's all. When Saul got up off the ground, he couldn't see anything, even though his eyes were open. So his companions took him by the hand and led him to Damascus for three days. He couldn't see. He, he didn't eat or drink anything. Now in Damascus, there was a disciple named Ananias. And I want to stop right there for a second. Anyone tell me what a disciple is? Anybody know what a disciple is? Follower. Well, the, the, the Greek says it's a learner or a pupil. Who's a learner or a pupil? All of us. Me? You? Everybody in here is a learner or a pupil. You're learning about God right now. You're learning about Christ right now. We're following him. We're a pupil of him. Amen. So we're all disciples, right? Yeah. We're all disciples. So get this under your... Get this in you here a little bit. Get it in your heart. Ananias, the Lord called out to him in a vision. Ananias, he, he answered, Here I am, Lord. Are we answering the Lord when he's calling out to us? Are we doing that today? Or maybe are we sidestepping that a little bit? I don't know about I don't like that call. I didn't like my call when I got it, let me tell you this. And I hid from him for three or four years. I didn't tell anybody about it. Are you doing the same thing today? Are you guilty of this? I'm guilty of it sometimes, and I'm going to tell you a little bit about myself more in a little bit, but are we really, are we stepping out there when God calls us? The Lord told him, get up, go into the street called Straight. The name of the street was Straight. So I'm saying, Stephen, God says, get up and go down to Broadway. Would you do it? Don't everybody look at Stephen. I can say it to any one of you. <laughs> would you do it? Would you do it? When God tells you, get up and go down here and do something, would you do it? <coughs> And in the, in the home of Judas, look for a man from Tarsus named Saul. At this very moment, he is praying. He has seen a vision 
a man named Ananias came in and lay his hands on him so he would see again. See, you don't know what that's going to cause when God tells you to do something. Yeah. When you step out in it, God's got bigger plans, bigger than beyond what we can see, bigger than what we, we can even comprehend or we can imagine. When God told me to step out in something, there was going to be people saved. There was going to be things done through my being obedient to him. I'm not saying that I'm anything great. I'm the same as you are. We're all this men and women. But through you stepping out in your calling, God has a plan already. There's going to be things happen. Bam, bam, bam. It may not always be fun. It may not always be peachy. It may not always be a bed of roses. But you got to step out. And if God's calling you to do it, you better step out into it. And 13 says, But Ananias answered, Lord, I've heard many people tell how much evil this man has done to your saints in Jerusalem. So he's got a good reason he doesn't want to do it. But he's looking at the flesh. He's looking at the physical thing. He's looking at what's going to happen to his body. He's not looking at the spiritual thing. He's not looking at Christ. Christ is going to take care of it. If God tells you to step out into something, don't worry about it. Step out into it. No matter how bad it looks or how grim it looks. If God tells you to do it, step out into it. <coughs> he is here with authority from the high priest to put in chains all who call on your name. But the Lord told him, go because he's my chosen instrument to carry my name to unbelievers, to do their to their kings and to the descendants of Israel. Isn't that kind of wild how God uses ordinary people who may be completely off track right. to do great things for him? Yeah. Think about that. Who is he called to preach? Usually ordinary screwed up people. Messed up people, maybe I should say. Usually he calls messed up people to preach because they're ordinary. And it's, they know that it's not from, when, when they talk to people, they, most of the time they know that it's not from this person, but it's from God. Does that make sense to you? Yeah. Paul went on after this. It says Ananias went there. Ananias did do what God told him to do. He went there and laid hands on Paul and he prayed for him. Anybody know what happened next? Let's see. Something like scales fell off his eyes, it said. The scales fell off his eyes, he could see from then on. And he was baptized in the Holy Ghost. He was filled with the Holy Ghost. He spoke in tongues at that time. So he received that boldness, that holy boldness. Saul went on to plant in churches in Galatia, Asia, Mac Macedonia, Macedonia, Archaea. In ten years, he planted all these churches. He covered all of Asia in three years. Now, folks, he didn't have a car or a jet or anything like that. He was traveling on a donkey or by foot. He was beaten. And in the Bible days when they would beat you, they would tie your feet together and they would stick a pole between your feet and pull them up behind you. Then they would, they would beat you on the feet, on the soles of the feet with a club and sticks until they bled or they broke. And they didn't have an x-ray machine out there, I'm sure, so it was obviously broke. Paul had this dunce and he was beaten. He was stoned. He was, he was ran out of the city stoning him one day, and, and they left him for dead. He was out on the ground. They left him for dead. The disciples came out and circled around, and they said, he got back up, went back into the same city. He went back into the same city and kept preaching. That took some determination, right? Some drive. Yeah. He wasn't going to give up. He wasn't going to be satisfied. There's no way this man was going to give up. He wasn't going to give in. I, I was over here the other night. I knew I was going to talk about Paul this week. And the Lord revealed more to me when I was over here. It was last night. I came in, and I had a whole big thing about Paul, a lot more than this about Paul. But there's someone in here that, that we need to talk about. I mean, not talk about, but someone needs some help. Um, I came in here, and, and God usually gives me a seat. It's usually 
here or back there or somewhere, or maybe it's at the altar sometimes, or sometimes he tells me to lay down on the floor. You know what I'm talking about, right? The little voice inside me, the spirit when he speaks to me. I came in and I, this time I had just watered that plant right there, and I came in and I was right here, my feet out that way. And I opened that blind, I said, well, that plant's not growing very fast. And I turned the blind just a little bit so it would have more light on it because it's kind of dark in here. And we keep these blinds shut to keep everybody from getting distracted, right? Well, I opened that light up just a little bit and that light was shining bright. I could see it through my eyes with my eyes closed. And the Lord spoke to me and he said, if there's something in your way to get between you and God, a distraction, get away from it. Turn away from that thing. Think about that. Is there something that's keeping you from being as close as you'd like to be to God? For me, the only thing that might be closer to me than God possibly is my family. Do I love my family too much? And I'm not saying I love my family too much, but I need to love God more. I need to spend more time with God. I need to not let the light coming through the window distract me. Other things distract me, small things. God showed me this one little physical thing here, but it can be an array of things. It could be anything. It could be whatever it is. You got, you got something in your head right now, probably. I had something in my head when God, God related this to me. Sometimes we might say, well, I can't get close enough to God because I've got too much time. I mean, I, I don't have enough time. I can't do this. I can't do that. Let me tell you something. I can't read very well. I couldn't read very well when I came to God. I could read, but I didn't comprehend what I was reading when I read it. It didn't stick in my head. I'd have to read something three or four times before I started understanding. Now, some things I was interested in, I could get. If it was about building a motor or a car or something like that, I could read it, I could get it. But when I tried to read something like the Bible or something factual like that, it messed with my head. and I, So I just didn't want to do it. I didn't like to do it. God's, God gave me this. Desire follows discipline. Desire follows discipline. Think about that. So when I discipline myself, I may not like to read the Bible at first, but if I start off reading a verse or two verses a day, if I start off doing these things, I'm going to hunger for them. I'm going to start to have the hunger. I'm going to thirst for those things. So when I start having that dis discipline at first, right, are you following me? When I start disciplining myself to do that, then pretty soon I'm going to say, man, I'd like to read my Bible today. I want to get some more words. Maybe I'll step it up. Maybe I'll read a few more verses today. Maybe I'll do this today. But desire follows discipline. You may not want to do it right now. You have to discipline yourself to do it. I had to discipline myself to go to work every day. I don't like to go to work, but I need to do it. Well, I still don't desire to do that. That's not a good example. <laughs> that would be a little bit funny. It's getting heavy in here. If you are complacent, it's because you're satisfied. Have you grown complacent today? Someone in here has. They become complacent. They're not reaching out to God. They're not extending themselves as far as they can get every day. But they become complacent. That's because they're not reaching. They're not thirsting after God. They're not hungering after God. You became satisfied. You reached and you hungered and you thirsted for God for a while. And I'm not saying just you all because it's the same thing that's happened to me before. It's happened to me multiple times. We have to keep getting up and doing this thing over again. We have to keep reaching. When we realize that we become complacent, then we have to fix that thing. Is that you today? Have you become complacent? It happens when you reach out for a while and God meets you where you're at with Him. If you want more, you can have more or less of God. When you reach out for God and He gives you more, then you then you you drink that and you ate of it. And guess what happens? You get full and you lay up for a little while and you become complacent. You became satisfied. Are you satisfied with where you're at today? If you're satisfied with where you're at today, tomorrow you'll be backing up. We need to fix this today. If this is you, you need to reach out to God today. Stretch, expand, become hungry for Him. Force yourself to hunger for Him, desire. Desire follows discipline. You have to discipline yourself to do some things. Is this you today? Are you willing to give up? What are you willing to give up? 
You know, Paul never was satisfied. Paul went through all these things. He was stoned. He was beaten. He was left for dead. He was put on a ship. He was put in prison. He was put on a ship, and he told the people, don't leave right now, but because the Spirit had spoken to him. He said, don't leave right now. There's going to be a hurricane. Guess what happened? They didn't listen to Saul or Paul, and they took off on this voyage, and he went through a, he went through a hurricane. The ship was wrecked. He was in a shipwreck in a hurricane. All these things happened to him, and we think we got it bad. He lived in a time where they'd kill him for sitting here and preaching like this. And that's what finally happened to Saul, they believe. There's no really proof of it. But they believe that he, he died in a prison. He was beheaded after ever being in prison for the last time. He, he went to prison several times for doing nothing wrong except telling people about Jesus. Telling people the truth about how to get to heaven. That's what he did. That was his, that was his sin. That's, or that's, they, they considered it. That's what he did to break the law, what not a sin. That was a bad word. Uh, are you willing to give up your very life? Is your life worth more than you than God? If it is, your priorities are out of whack. Saul was ready, or Paul was willing to give up his very life, and not just Paul. I'm not saying this to, to say put Paul up on a pedestal, but all the disciples. There's a lot of great men of faith in the Bible, and all of them, most of them. John, I think, was the only only one out of all of them that died of an old age. The rest of them all were martyred. You get this, and he was boiled in oil. Even John was boiled in oil. Can you imagine that today? Are you willing to give up your very life to tell people about Christ? Is your family worth that? Because you're who they're looking at. The people in here. We all have family outside of here. But we're who, who they're looking at. They're looking up to us. So if we back up, if we stumble, if we fall, they're going to say, oh, that wasn't really real anyway. I have an uncle who told me he'll come to Christ in 10 years. He said, I've seen you do it for a few years now, but I'm still not sure. I'm not, I'm not sold and I'm not convinced. When you live this for 10 years, I'll believe it's real. That's what he told me. I'm not the only one who has family like this. I'm sure each and every one of us have family like this. They're watching you. Every day they're watching us. So are you willing to give up anything for God, to pull closer to God? I can't stop because I'm satisfied. Everyone's looking at me, right? If I get satisfied and I lay down, what happens? The church fails. A lot of things happen. Why are you any different? So no one in here can afford to become satisfied and give up, throw the towel in. I came in last night and I was sitting, actually this morning I was sitting right where little Stephen sat down and the Lord showed me there's going to be four people here. He told me last night there's going to be someone here today who's ready to give up. This morning, there's at least four people in here this morning. You all might think I'm crazy when I tell you God told me this, but it's a fact. God told me there's at least four people going to be here today who are ready to give up right now. Ready to throw the towel in. Is it you? You don't have to put your hand up. You don't have to tell me about it or anything. I'll pray for you if you want to. You can come up front. I'd ask you to come to the altar and renew your relationship with him at the end of the service here today. Run up here. You can come now if you like. Let me ask you this. Where will you give up to? If you give up, what's, good? what's next? What happens next? Where are you going to give up to? Are you going to go back to your old life? How does that treat you? How was that for you last time? You came here looking for a change, right? That's why you came here, looking for a change. To grow and reach toward God. When you saw what you got when you got here, your life got a lot better, right? So what would you go back to? There's nothing back there for you. Let me tell you that. This is life is a lot better. How did that work out for you last time when you were there? You came here looking for a change and you got a change. Each one of us has tasted change in our lives. From the smallest to the tallest, or this the youth director says, I already didn't say, 
from, from the worst of men to the best of ones that came in, or we, we consider that way, each one of us have tasted change since we've been in this church, right? We've, we've, we've tasted growth, spiritual growth. So what would you go back to? There's nothing there waiting for you except hell and damnation. You're free right now. You need to press in and reach. Keep pressing in. This is the time when he deceives you. The devil's here to deceive you. That's what he wants to do. It says he's here to deceive, to kill and destroy, right? Steal, kill, and destroy, it says. Deceive. That's what he's here for. That's what he's trying to do today. He works on your mind to get you to fall down, get you to back up. <clears throat> Don't let him deceive you today. You know what he'll do if he deceives you? If you go out that door and you don't come back again, he's going to put you back in shackles. That's what he's going to do. He's going to chain you back up in bondage. In the bondage that you came out of, that you came here looking to get free of, the same bondage you came here looking to get free of. There's four of you, at least in here today, who are considering this. I know this. Beyond, I mean, without a doubt, I know this. God spoke it to me. If you let him beat you in this today, or this week, whenever it is, if you let him beat you in this, he will beat you up with this forever. He'll tell you, you can't go back there. You're not good enough. You've already tried it, and you failed once. That's what he's going to tell you. These are lies. Yeah. Lies from the devil. That's what this is. Amen. Lies directly from hell. The last thing I got for you today. Folks, this is life or death. Yeah. You may not realize it. It's spiritually. Life or death. Adam and Eve didn't realize he was talking about a spiritual death. They thought he was talking about a physical death when he said it. And, the, and Satan came to them and he deceived them and he lied to them, just like he's trying to do to you right now. He lied to them and he convinced them, surely you shall not die. God loves you. He wouldn't kill you. But he's also a just God. And he tells the truth. And he says, he that endures to the end, the same shall be saved. Folks, you've got to live this down forever. It's not once saved, always saved. That's not how it works. Man, there's some churches that believe that. There's some preachers who preach that. But my Bible says, he that endureth to the end, the same shall be saved. How can you take that any other way? If you give up anything short of finishing the race, you're not going to be perfected. You're, you're not perfected until that great, that final day when Jesus steps out. So it's, it's life or death. You choose today. You choose it. Can I get every head bowed and every eye closed? This time, please. If that's you, I would urge you, please, get up and come to this altar right now. Run to this altar. There's at least four of you in here. Come down right now. It's a serious business. Andy, can we get some music, please? Pretty loud. There's one. I know, I know that God didn't give me this for no reason. Come on down. There's three more of you, at least, I know. I don't know who you are, but I know you're here. I know that you're here, and I know the devil's trying to, trying to trip you up, and he's trying to make you stumble. There's three, or two. There's two more here. Who are you? Come down here. Let's get this right today. Do not choose death. Do not walk out that door without reaching out for God. Do not do this. I beg you today, don't do this. Come down here and make this right. It doesn't matter who's looking at you. It doesn't matter. There's nothing more important than God. You need to be able to have the mindset, I would give up my life to stay closer to God. Church, saints, please pray with me right now. This is serious business here. This is for real. It's for keeps. There's no turning around after this. Spiritual 
the spiritual world is for eternity. We're only here for a, few, a short time. The Bible says our lives are like a vapor, but the spiritual world is for eternity. I need one more person down here at this altar. I know that you're here. Step out. Be man or woman enough to come down here right now and make it right with God. I know the Spirit's tugging at you right now. It's pulling at you. The Bible says his job is to convict and convince. To convict and convince. To show you that he's the one true living God. Thank you, Daddy. Thank you, Daddy, for your word, Father. Thank you for speaking to me, Lord. Thank you, Father God. I know this seems a little tough today and a little abrasive. It seems a little rough, but this is what we got to do. This is what God gave to me today. Thank you, Daddy. Thank you, Father God. Maybe you're here today and you don't know God at all. If I ask you this question today, if I ask you, if you died right now, would you make heaven your home? Or would you go to hell? If you can't tell me beyond a shadow of a doubt, yes, Pastor, I'm going to heaven, then you're probably not. You need to get down here, run down here. Come up here to me. I'll help you pray through it. Anybody who wants to pray. Thank you,
everyone just to turn with me just a little bit longer. People are making life and death decisions here today. Okay? Thank you. 